on the record on news talk very good morning to everybody out there. This is On The Record with Kieran Cuddihy until one o'clock. If you want to contact the programme, you can do so in the usual ways. 53106 for your text. That will cost you 30 cents or you can get me on Twitter at Kieran Cuddihy. We've lots coming up on the programme today. As always, though, we'll kick it off with a look at the Sunday newspapers. Our panel in studio, Colm O'Regan, comedian, author and broadcaster. Sheena Cal, president of the Union of Students of Ireland and Kevin Doyle, group political editor at Independent News and Media. Kevin, congratulations. How's married life? <laughs> Three That's weeks. People will ask you that now until you have a baby. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, three weeks and she's already accused me of turning her into a widow when you have a budget of presidential election and Brexit. So uh, yeah, it's going great. Yeah, <laughs> You're twiddling the ring on your finger <laughs> yeah, constantly. The, yeah, they, they, that'll take a while. It's, uh, I'm, I'm weighed down. Wait yeah, down. all right. Well, uh, congratulations. Move Has, on. Uh, anyone get up this morning and watch Conor McGregor, I should ask? It is like one of the big news stories of the morning. I was up at that hour, but I was driving back from a gig in Cork. Um, but no, no, I didn't go near it. I, I, I watch um, USC and it, it just reminds me of, you, you know, when you'd, you'd see footage or hear accounts of boxing in the late 19th century. It's like a sport that has all the pizzazz of modern television and marketing and hype. But it's cha- it's so chaotic at the upper end, but it it makes money out of the chaos. Yes. You know, and it's like, it's like a hurling match from the 1850s where one parish played the other and they all fought each other. It's just, <laughs> it's a really strange mix and... But less dignified, you feel. Yeah, I, like, I don't, like, they, they're, they're proper athletes and I guess it's a proper sport if you understand, you know, the skills involved. So I would never disparage it because I don't know, I don't know mm. about it. Um, and the closest thing to it is boxing. But I just, um, it seems that it actually, it's, its business model is it makes more money the more chaotic it is. And I don't know, is that could you say that about many other sports at this stage? There's a bang of WWE off yeah. how it operates. It's, it's like it's like if WWE was done by the people who did the film Sin City, like a dark version <laughs> where all, all the, all the theatre of WWE, well, you know, because nine-year-olds wa- would watch that mm-hmm. and you could have that, you could have suspend disbelief. Um, but here you've got WWE with a layer on top of it of sort of I don't know, just it's just grimmer. Gina, were you up? No, I was not in my hoop. Um, I, I did. I was. I was getting a taxi home last night, though, from town, and uh, you know, you could see the the taxi. You're see, oh, you're in the still up brigade. Yeah. We're, we're all up in the <laughs> up early brigade. You're the ah, I'm still up at five. Yeah. Yeah, and but all of them had like their you know iPads and stuff, like you know, um, waiting to to see whether they could find a, a link to watch it online, and I wouldn't be interested in it at all. I think you know the kind of you know, be- behaviour is like atrocious. And I recognise absolutely that it's a sport and that people work really hard. I mean, you know, you know the, the guys going in and out of Boxfest in Stony Batter yesterday, um, you know, th- those guys work really hard to get where they are. But I mean, when you've got this kind of level of toxic masculinity and that's what sells it, um, you know, it's just really concerning in general. And I've absolutely no interest in watching it. Kevin, I kind of get the sense as well that there's a little less interest in it now than there was. There's definitely, there was less build up to this, wasn't there? Than, like I'd say outside the UFC core fan base than yeah, there was I, to other McGregor events. I have to admit, I didn't actually realise that there was a big Conor McGregor fight until earlier this week, um, mm. which now I had other things going on maybe, but usually, you know, for a good month beforehand that there is a whole lot of Conor McGregor stuff going on. And I think that's probably why you saw a bit of what happened last night because now we're all talking about it again. Yeah. If you go on any of the news <gasps> websites this morning, it's just wall to wall played. coverage. And it's, yeah, and it's, I think Colin was kind of being polite with his talk of it being chaotic. It was tuggery. Mm. Um, and, 
and, and no I didn't stay up I, I was at the Fine Gael presidential dinner till half two this morning so I'd seen enough play acting without staying up to watch it <laughs> and but enough toxic masculinity <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's, it's, it just strikes me that it's it's perhaps they're not getting the, the viewerships that they were getting uh, in the last couple of years you say so you just get more outrageous and, and you know if the thing starts to wane you just make it more unimaginable again yeah there, there'll be a rematch that's the other thing there, yeah. there'll be a rematch um, I found myself uttering a sentence that I don't think I've actually used for Baton before I said I thought there'd be more press conferences to be honest you know like it was, it was, it was only one <laughs> yeah. and normally there's this tour so uh, again uh, you know as I say it's the business model is um, because nobody's making any money below that level uh, in it you know, mm. to a certain extent it's about it's about mad stuff happening on, on telly Alright well look McGregor was too late to make the front pages but I'll just run through uh, what did make them the Sunday Independent leading with election budget mortgage interest relief boost for 400,000 self-employed to be eligible for dole benefits 20% capital gains tax break for landlords austerity welfare cuts will be fully reversed we'll be talking about the budget in a few minutes time the Sunday Business Post Michael D spashed almost 100,000 euro on photos ahead of presidential race Sinn Féin's Nirida as well admitting she pays herself more than pre- Previously claimed. Uh, the Sunday Times front page story Broadband bidder sued for contract breach. Uh, Granahan McCourt, the company leading the sole consortium bidding for the state's 1 billion euro broadband contract, was fighting a 19 million euro lawsuit over the sale of ENET shares when its owner hosted Dennis Nocton, communications minister, and four of his officials at a New York dinner. And the front page of the Irish Mail My remorse over horror car crash. Um, this is a story from Michael O'Farrell about Gavin Duffy about a car crash that he was in in 1985 uh, when there was a settlement uh, with the student motorcyclists. It made headlines at the time. That's the front page story on the Mail on Sunday. Uh, there's plenty of stories inside the papers um, on housing, on policy, on politics and protests. And we might actually start with some of that. Uh, there is, Kevin, if we talk about the politics, maybe first of all, there was a sense, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, that there were, there were those who were critical of the government's housing policy, but there was a good broad base of the electorate who were cutting them maybe a bit of slack. They were kind of buying the argument, all right, there's a backlog here, nothing was done because there was no money, we will bear with you. If you want us to bear with you, we mm-hmm. will bear with you. There's a sense maybe in the last three months that those people are now saying, we bore with you. What's happening? Yeah, and we've already done this, if, if you like. There, I think you're right. There, there was a sense that you can't build houses overnight and the whole thing was a mess and all the builders were, in, Austra- all the builders were all in Australia. And sure, when we didn't have planning laws that took months and months and months, sure, we just built mansions all over the countryside and ruined the place. So there was, there was a mess there and people kind of gave a bit of that. And the government, I suppose, argument was, look, there was no jobs and we said we had an action plan for jobs and now there's full employment uh, again. The economy was wrecked and we said we had a plan for the economy and now the economy is, inverted commas, booming again um, but on the housing one they it's just become the new health and they can't get to turn as Leo Varadkar said at that dinner last night the corner uh, he used that actual phrase about them so they, they ha- we haven't turned the corner no, yet on housing no we haven't got there yet he admitted last night he started talking that the language had changed even last night and this was to a Fine Gael audience of mm. course uh, four, maybe 400 Fine Gaelers uh, who are all paying 120 quid to hear the dear leader um, and he made the point that housing is a human right and it's the government's duty to make that right a reality so I think they are, the language has very much changed in the last even few weeks and I think that is something to do with the protests that we've seen the raise the house there, and, and Sheena can probably shed some light from the students but the fact that students are on the street the fact that there there is all the charities who are obviously involved in this and there seems to be ordinary people kind of getting behind that movement is terrifying the government this isn't just Sinn Féin um, 
poking poking the bear anymore. This has become more mainstream. Um, and I think that the housing thing is starting to worry them. And I think that's where we'll see Tuesday uh, being... Well, you can already see it because Fianna Fáil are saying it's a housing budget and we'll be measured by the housing measures in the budget. But Fine Gael equally need it to be a housing budget. Yeah, Sheena, what about that point that there would be those in Leinster House who'd kind of roll their eyes sometimes and say, oh, these professional protesters. Mm. And kind of you can ignore them because... The, you know, they'll protest, standing well, they'll protest everything. Yeah, but, the but, yeah. but it is now maybe a broader sure. movement yeah, and I that mean, is worrying. I don't think that there was an expectation really of how big the protest on a lunchtime on a Wednesday was going to be. And certainly I think... Uh, we swelled the numbers when it came to students. I couldn't get into Buzzwells, I have to tell you. Yeah, to meet someone there, it was very problematic <laughs> Sorry for about me. That. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it was certainly... First world problems. <laughs> when you had, you know, students from Tralee uh, and Letterkenny getting onto buses at, at five and six in the morning uh, on Wednesday morning, uh, you know, committed because they... They, they feel that, uh, you know, housing is, is a big issue for, for our generation. I mean, obviously, the the issues across the country are very different. So, I mean, students who are in, you know, the likes of Trinity and UCD and elsewhere in, in city centre here are faced with a, a, a massive issue in terms of quantity and quality uh, of, of student housing and access. But but when you look at Letterkenny and Tralee, you say, what are the issues? The issues are, uh, you know, quality still, uh, still rogue landlords, etc. Et but also there's a, now a broader recognition of the fact that housing is a crisis that like beyond your university or IT degree, trying to enter the rental market or trying to ever even consider buying a house is kind of something off into the wilderness for you. And I think that is something that's kind of uh, taken hold uh, for the stu- in the student psyche. Um, and, you know, the numbers on the streets on Wednesday kind of reflect that. And that is kind of terrifying for any government who was kind of hoping to downplay, you know, that housing, uh, that housing piece and kind of saying, listen, we'll move towards a like maybe housing budget. They really had to, you know, rack up the language and change and change how they were going to approach it. Certainly when you, you know, have a motion like that passing on Wednesday. Problematic for the government as well is that you can abolish water charges overnight. Like it's true. The very first thing Kevin said, you can't build houses overnight. They've, yeah, they've spent the capital. Um, I think, and I, I, this is probably sim- simplistic, but um, it's sometimes it's about the way they recognise that there was a crisis. So if I take a simplistic example, when there's a storm coming, everybody gets on board. There's a sense of solidarity and there is action. Normal rules don't apply. And is it an emergency? And I think they never, they had about two years where they dithered over describing it as an emergency or a crisis. Had they two years ago said... This is the biggest deal. Because the thing about um, you can wait for a job. So let's say you're living with your mother or your parents and you're on the dole. You can wait for the economy to turn around in theory. You can't wait for a place to live. Mm. And uh, and the, the the protests that are happening, there's desperation. Like it's it's not food riots, but that, you know, when people riot over food, it's not because they want... They want just a little nibble. This is desperation. So there's desperation out there. And I think they spent two years saying it'll be taken care of. And I think if they had recognised it as a bigger crisis two years ago, had they had a plan, but not not a committee, if you know, I, and I, I don't mean a committee, yeah. but a sense of these are all the stakeholders, like arm wrestling people in. Mm. Um, and almost because they thought it would wash out that the people that, you know, we believe in capitalism as the way to get us out of this, as in, you know, it, the market will take care of it. And it hasn't because it's not market economics that's going on here. It's vested interests. It's hedging. It's, you know, because there's no point in us all moaning about the way it works because when pension funds are predicated on rent always going up by 3% every year. But if they'd recognised, I think, as a big crisis two years ago, we'd be further along the road. We'd have built more houses 
and they wouldn't be in as much trouble as they are. I, I, I think part of the reason that they didn't perhaps put um, that kind of what you're saying there, Colin, that kind of almost mentality of housing, 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 in the same way that the jobs, 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 and they went all over the world trying to get companies back into Ireland, was that I think possibly for Fine Gael and perhaps some of the other political parties too. They saw it as a poor person problem. Mm. It wasn't about students. It wasn't about middle income families. It, it wasn't about the, the 30 year old who had, you know, has been working for five or six years since they left college and not now wants to get a mortgage. It, it was never seen as about that. It was about, yeah, there's a few social welfare families that we've had to put up in hotels. And then when the rents started going up and up and up and up, and then when 30 year olds were living with their parents and year after year had no chance of getting a deposit and the rules obviously were changed mm. around getting a, a, a mortgage deposit which is correct in many ways um, so that we don't repeat the, 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 the crash in that sense for individuals and I think it's only now that they're realising oh man this has become a middle class problem yeah. and that's a problem for Fine Gael yeah. and Fianna Fáil and because they're pro- people who vote for them and when you've got 100 seats controlled by people like like, like in their terms people like us then yeah. you do, you've no concept of what what you how the fringes as they would see them as society are, are experiencing Kevin I just want to ask you very briefly uh, just on, on policy on this because we, we talked about politics but just to pick up on a point that, that Colin made uh, Finnegators will always deny it but was there genuinely the, the view in the party that it, it was an ideological approach to housing that essentially uh, that you know we shouldn't interfere in the market that it will find a balance I, like I don't. What, what did that inform? Because yeah, I've put that to them before on the, in the studio, and it's utterly rejected. And they'll talk about rebuilding Ireland and various plans they had to interfere with the market. They're, we're not afraid of interfering with the market, but there are different levels sure. of interference, and I think that's what they they try to get out. I mean, the the basic argument was, why didn't you just go and build the houses yourself? Uh, why didn't the government give the money and 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 just get the local authorities to just build the houses? And they didn't want to do that. They wanted. Um, the construction sector itself to get going again because if the construction sector fixed itself you have loads of jobs again you have all those people who the emigrants coming back home uh, and ready jobs for them and that would build the houses and if you build them they will come and mm. um, the problem was the construction sector was never in a position to to get back to that uh, level that quickly um, and the red tape that was all there so no they didn't intervene enough and I think some of what you'll see in the budget particularly this affordable housing scheme small and all as it is is probably something that we will look back and go that should have been done three years was ago Was there an ideological thing about suspicion of social like did they think that social housing meant people who would take you know get a, get a brand new washing machine sell it and you know like is there a yeah. snobbery that, that sure why are we providing for the likes of them I think I think there's two elements that's one to it is is this us and them it's the uh, Leo often goes off on about the idea of the, the people who pay for everything uh, and expect nothing uh, and the people who pay getting for nothing and, yes, and, and the mm. people who, who don't pay for anything really mm. and expect to get the, the washing machine in the council house and then there was the element of I suppose the ghettos and not wanting to create just these yeah. vast villages of just social housing and was trying to get the mix but, right and but that's crumbling and that's the middle class mm. of Ireland today is a huge chunk of it is built on people who grew up with so you know who's you know yeah. mom and dad paid you know a reasonable rent and uh, and had lived in a house and there was no kind of snobbery about it. it's what people did I live in a former I benefited from the privatisation you know in you know of all of those houses you know former council houses all across Dublin all across Ireland and 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 somehow it became a dirty word mm. to have a social house when it's we did it 
I mean, no money. A lot of those former council houses now, you know, quite valuable. Around Drum Condren places are worth about half a million quid. And there's yeah. a flip side to all this because while there was there was tens of thousands of people in massive negative equity, but while all this has been going on and the the crisis on their negative equity has evaporated and they're back now in, in the, the, the black in many places. So for every problem that's fixed, there's another one and it, the, the, the getting the balance right is Life the problem. Life is a struggle. One problem begets another. Yeah. Buddhism there from Kevin Doyle. Uh, <laughs> Sheila, before we move on from housing, just on that point about the ghettos, that like that, that argument did always kind of ring a little hollow and it, it's easy to point at the Ballymuns and say, you know, oh, well, look, it didn't work out. You know, that experiment didn't work. We can't redo it. It always kind of struck me as pointing at the road of potholes and saying, like, let's not build any more roads because, you know, yeah. there was loads of potholes in that one there. Yeah, like the idea that, you know, like this whole, um, you know, blockage around, you know, having to mix communities and the idea that a community of social housing, you know, has to learn from, uh, you know, the better community across the road um, from the non-social housing area is just bizarre to me. Um, and I don't think that it's, it's you know, it's strong enough from them uh, to say that that's, that would be what we, what holds up, you know, what's perfect. Um, you know, it, this is a thing and, and it's been reflected across the discussion here. If we had just... Um, you know, two years ago, um, you know, named it for what it was, um, as as a crisis that was becoming a, a big scenario it was going to start. The only thing about that is, people from, it's ten years houses. since Mary Harney said we have a trolley crisis, yeah. and yeah. there's no yeah. solution there on that. Yeah, I mean, it, but it's not obviously naming is one thing and the doing is yeah. another. I mean, uh, and I think that's that's reflective of the motion exercise on Wednesday. Uh, you know, you can you, the 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 teacher can all all he wants start changing language around housing is a human right, but what is he going to do about it in the budget? I think is the question. And, and just in budgets. Like, is a budget a solution? All is fine. It does all is hope pinned on a, on the budget, and money becomes available. But mm. my feeling with housing, what was it a shortage of money? Like that, you know. So there's 300 million for houses, and Fianna Fáil claim credit for it, and there's Fianna Gael claiming credit for it. But like throwing money, we've been throwing money at the health service. I always laugh every year. The health service runs over by somewhere between 500 million and 700 million, and mm. I always wonder why don't we add that on at the start? Just budget it. Oh, we <laughs> do, but then they do it again. <laughs> they do it again. They push it to the next again. level. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, look, we'll be getting onto the budget and Brexit and Banksy and more after this quick break. On the record, on news talk. Just a few hours ago, the U.S. Senate confirmed Judge Brett Kavanaugh to the United States they're happy you are listening to On The Record Colm O'Regan Sheena Cal and Kevin Doyle with me in studio Colm really important question on this Kavanaugh or Kavanaugh I know are we overdoing it someone at Ellis Island just kind of had a squiggle at the end of their A and now there's a U we're determined to to do it right he's um, it's it's ever in the last five years Irish America which used to be you know we used to love Irish America and it's just Irish American after Irish American that were like oh really you know um, <laughs> and uh, like the thing about um, uh, Brett Kavanaugh for me is that uh, obviously I don't know the, his guilt or anything like that but the FBI investigation took four days so therefore it was not an investigation because it wasn't enough time to interview all it couldn't have mm. been mm. and it was done because they needed to get the nomination uh, through before you know the, what should have happened is there should be he should there should be 6 months to deal with the allegations and the whole thing should have been suspended so clearly it was politically motivated to make it short and uh, because they don't know how the midterms will go um and it's just it's just another 
terrible episode in modern American history, you know, in innocent or guilty, the idea that a politically motivated um, brev, you know, brevity of investigation uh, means that potentially, potentially, allegedly, a bad person is now going to decide, um, you know, US uh, uh, legal and mora- morality. Morality know, nearly the next, bigger issue for the next the Supreme Court. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's in his mid 50s. He does, That's 30 years. It's a generation and a half. Um, so it's for something that important, but because, you know, the Democrat who voted in his favor because he's in a heavily red state, it just, I mean, there's political expediency everywhere. This is just a really egregious example of it. And it's just kind of depressing, you know? Yeah, it, it is, uh, one, I suppose it ca- captured everyone's attention, but, and some of the coverage, uh, Kevin in the paper today of it, you know, he said, she said, they all lost. Dan Balz, the Washington Post, writing in the Sunday Independent. But Marion McKeown, ultra-conservatives win latest battle in bitter US Supreme Court wars. Josh Glancy in the Sunday Times, Trump judge wins his day in court after FBI probe. And those two headlines kind of sum it up. Like, th- this was a promise, if you kind of separate all the noise with Donald Trump, one of the big promises, as positions become open on the bench, I will put in people who the Christian conservative right want. You know, this is one of those areas where ideologically, I think Trump just blows whichever way, you know, goes whichever way the wind is blowing. He needs these people in and he's got them in. Like, this, it's a, it's a win-win for him. Yeah, the, the view is if Hillary Clinton was there, it'd now be 6-3 to the Liberals, but actually it's brought down to 5-4 yeah. um, and in terms of Liberal being conservative. And it's I think like when you watch, listen to Trump over the, like, again, as Colm says, I I don't know, the whole allegations, everything that happened in the Senate hearings, and you're just looking at it and like people, real real people can't actually judge the right and the wrong here. You can look at the temperament of people, you can look at the the evidence, the stories, how they stack up in, in how you look at people, but we're looking on a television um, from across the Atlantic and we can't honestly answer who's right, who's wrong. But, the temperament shown by Brett Kavanaugh on one, uh, Kavanaugh on one level in, in his appearance suggests he's not the kind of man you want sitting on your Supreme Court making massive moral judgments for how a country should move forward uh, for decades to come. And then second to that, you have Trump at rallies mocking mm. wh- whether the story is true or not. The president can't be at the point. She doesn't know how she got home. She doesn't know. She, she doesn't know. You know what time it was. She doesn't know was she upstairs or downstairs. Yeah. And the, but she knows she only had one beer. Mm. And it's kind of that the idea that the president is mocking somebody who is either a, a victim of sexual assault or somebody with some very serious personal issues, uh, whichever way this is she's now in that position where she's an international name yeah. uh, and the idea that the president is on uh, using her as an election uh, rallying call to his troops is just it's extraordinary Sheena I, I'm to be honest this thing of Brett Kavanaugh and how partisan he was in his uh, uh, in his address to the to the Senate Judiciary Committee I, I was amazed that people were amazed at how partisan he was like the reason this is such a political thing is because they're partisan they're, you know, they're not they're not kind of unbiased arbiters of the law. They're not like that's the whole point of the Supreme Court. That's why we get so excited about, you know, Neil Gorsuch and uh, Brett Kavanaugh and everyone else. Sure. I mean, it's a piece of theatre, though. I mean, this, this idea that we're looking at, at it on TV and we're watching this uh, judicial hearing uh, and then, you know, getting versions of it, which were, you know, really, uh, you know, 
perfect uh, tone-wise from Saturday Night Live and the cold open uh, that was done. Uh, if you haven't seen it, people should check it out. But like, it's actually t- kind of terrifying. I think for me, um, you know, no more than, you know, whether what, what the facts of the matter were uh, or the partisanship of, of what was said actually in the judicial hearing or not. Um, I was over in DC in July of this year with Planned Parenthood uh, speaking to um, people about the repeal campaign over here. Hmm. Uh, there were, and for the first time, um, because I think it's just because I was Irish, uh, there were uh, representatives of Republican senators uh, who came to the briefing that we did. Um, and people, there was a kind of talk about Kavanaugh at the time, um, you know, in early July, and it was fear. It was, um, I spoke, I addressed at a, a Planned Parenthood conference of 2,000 young people. And the reason why they were putting this conference on was, you know, ahead of the midterms, uh, there is fear there around um you know, just what it means to have somebody like him with the views he has, you know, on the Supreme Court effect, you know, effectively for life. And the the idea that, you know, he'd be able to strike down in some regards the Roe decision uh, around access to abortion rights in the States. I've never witnessed anything quite like that in person. And so then watching it on on TV in this kind of like theatre like fashion is is kind of terrifying. Rowan McCormack had a great piece yesterday in the Irish Times about the the era of judicial activism being over in the States and they kind of take an originalist approach now at the Supreme Court and they're kind of what would the kind of the framers of the Constitution but he made a point that it's insular looking it is less the US Supreme Court has much less influence on the world at large and to a degree Brett Kavanaugh really will have no impact in Ireland and on Irish law the same way that Supreme Court justices maybe in the past would have had and that's just you know that's that's the nature of of our membership of the EU as much as anything that you know you've got the European kind of human rights convention as much yeah, as you've got right, human it's, rights it, it, it's not about law I don't for me I don't think it's yeah. about law it's about moral standards for the world that this can play out in a, in a kind mm. of a, a coliseum as Sheena kind of well, described then, there about, it's that it's that we can have a dialogue that is this bizarre and, and, and he's writing articles for various conservative uh, like think mm. tanks or talking to Fox News you know writing like it, it, the idea that this is playing out in op-eds um, it, it's just bizarre and it doesn't really tra- it doesn't translate to us so I think we're thinking of it as more bizarre but when we're in this kind of there's just a cacophony of noise as you were saying earlier and I just it, it, I, I can't even contemplate it. But, but one person and I, I'm not suggesting he has influence in our lives but more relevant or a, 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 I suppose a bigger presence in most of our lives is Cristiano Ronaldo Colum and there's really serious allegations made about him and people who read the Develt piece last week you know it's it was Incredible to read. And some of the stuff that, you know, he allegedly admits to in one of the affidavits he wrote for his legal team is 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 also incredible. It doesn't seem to be getting as much That's attention right. as I would have expected. Yeah, there is a... Um, if this was a Republican senator we had never heard of from Nebraska, yeah. I think we'd be talking these about stories, more. These stories have been on for a long time. I remember, re- I think because this is the second wave of this story, and there is denial among the sports hierarchy, both media uh, organization, because um, it, sport is one of those uh, areas of life where there is a belief in greatness and the black and white, you know, and, and particularly Ronaldo. People who are great be, at sport must be great people. Great, great people and role models and, you know, role models for young people. And also Ronaldo uh, is entering the grandee stage of his career. So even if, like, if he was younger, they would have, 
people would have actually given this the credit, the, the, the coverage it deserved. But there, there's, people are in denial. I mean, mm. because the whole, the whole infrastructure of football, um, like he is one of those players who makes 400 grand a week palatable because he's great. Like football is sick. Like it, the, the money <laughs> in it is, is fundamentally sick. It's, 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 it's going to, you would think it must implode. Um, it's only gambling money is keeping the thing going. You know what I mean? And so he's just, um, people are interested in, in denial. They don't, if, if, if he comes down the edifice, you know, I mean, Messi, like not Messi has, is, has paid a huge, I think he's paid money because of tax. Yeah, he's had you a know, big so tax problem. That is yeah. also a wrong, like not paying your tax is also immoral, like, because you're supposed to, you yeah. know, and, um, but again, it brushed over. Once you get to a certain level of greatness, um, and for some reason now they're man the, the the it's tipping over, but it'll, it'll be a big struggle to actually um, give this the the credence at least the investigation deserves. Um, so I don't know. Like I think it's a question of who's next. Like if Nike, yeah, make a decision. So Juventus um, have backed him and to the hilt to the hilt. And Nike have prevaricated. So a couple of sponsors. It's all. It's the classic. Now the whatever the rights and wrongs of how a sexual assault case should be investigated always gets ignored. Commercial considerations take over, and it's really Nike will decide how this goes. Uh, Sheena, is there an element as we were? Almost exactly a year from when the Harvey Weinstein story broke uh, first and then the Me Too movement. If this had happened six months ago or nine months ago, Ronaldo, do you think there'd be more made of it? It would have been caught up maybe in that wave that there's maybe it's not fair to say Me Too fatigue, but that I suppose the backlash to Me Too is well and firmly kind of has found its footing as well, you know, and and it's, you know, it's well established and ready to push back on stories like these about, look, allegations it's unfair to ruin someone's life over allegations. Sure, I mean, Dan Balls in the, the Washington Post this morning, um, which was kind of, it was reprinted there in the Sunday Indo, you know, said, asked the same question around that connection with the Weinstein piece and saying, you know, wh- how have we gotten here? How have we gotten to Kavanaugh? How have we gotten to, you know, Ronaldo? Uh, people, you know, Ronaldo being that person who's up on that pedestal and untouchable. The idea that, you know, could be, it's the commercial considerations and, you know, it, men are living in this kind of weird fear of, um, you know, it, what, which of us is next. And uh, if if it's on that basis, then uh, no woman's going to be right. And if it's the, you know, it, it's not based on facts anymore. It's about, you know, it, it, it was clear in the Kavanaugh case, you know, with the, with the way everything played out, you know, that she was never going to be given, um, you know, the, the full benefit uh, of, 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 I suppose, even the commentary around it uh, was all about, you know, how can we take her down nearly and, and how could she possibly be you know putting herself out there um it's really <coughs> concerning um you know with in this in the year still of me too in the year still of people coming out more and more and you know the fact that only weeks ago a couple of weeks ago um you know you have the cork sexual violence center kind of coming out saying that there are you know three young girls in cork who probably won't even go to college this year because they're afraid uh, of reporting you know sexual harassment that happened to them and, and rape that occurred during their their freshers weeks and like this is the world we're now living in people are are coming out and yet they're still not being believed uh, look, speaking of sick amounts of money, I just want to move on to another story before we have to take a quick break. Uh, Banksy, Sunday Independent, page 18, Jill Lawless, art world pranked by Banksy as his 1.18 million euro painting uh, going, going, gone. For people who don't know it, it shredded itself. 
It, this is I love Incredible. this story. It's it's absolutely Class. brilliant, and it's it's. I mean, Banksy is just this curator of madness and mystery, um, and and some of the stuff he's done around the world is extraordinary. But this is my favorite one yet. Imagine you're the guy who goes, yeah, that's worth one point eight million euro. The guy hits his auction hammer, deal done, and next thing, gavel. I couldn't he's, think of it. Yeah, <laughs> I was at a Finnegale dinner to talk to. My head is messed. <laughs> And, uh, Probably and, a lot and of judges at that as well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and next thing, the, the alarm goes off and the thing shreds itself. But the only flip side of this, because I think when it all plays out, and I think this point is actually made in the piece that Jill Lawless has done in the, in the Sindo, is it's probably worth a hell of a lot more now that yes. it's shredded than it actually was when it was just in a nice frame. Well, it's kind of half shredded, I think, isn't it? Like it went about, they ripped it off the wall. The whole thing makes me think, it, like we talked about, we started all of this off today chatting about uh, a stunt. I'm not saying it was a total stunt, but, you know, if you did want to increase the value of your painting, Banksy just did it, Colm, didn't he? Yeah, and if you're, like, if, if you're in an absurd industry, which art valuation mm-hmm. surely is, and uh, then just being absurd is just feeding the flames. It reminded me of um, the kind of thing that at the start of a Batman movie, the Joker would do. Like something is hidden in something and it kind of uh, it, it happens just at the peak moment of hubris on behalf of the, the people, those assembled. It's a, it's a great stunt. And I mean, all the great artists were all great businessmen. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? I like so. uh, they all knew what they were doing. Yeah, I think there's a bang of... Um Conor McGregor about Banksy on this mm. one. Uh, look, let's take a quick. We actually have audio of when it happened. And selling for eight hundred and sixty thousand. Yeah, if they quickly just ripped Penguin off the wall, basically. There's kind of like everyone cheers and then the silence as that beeping starts. Someone in the crowd, obviously, is a little remote. I'd be a hell of a lot more worried about what the beeping is. Like the, 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 the idea of the painting is going to shred is the last thing that would pop if into my head. If you're in a big head. crowd and it starts suddenly, a painting on the wall starts beeping. Yeah. You're like, running towards the exits. As a, as a former <laughs> um, person who worked in IT, I like the idea of how many times they had to do test models. And mm. did he do stuff with crayon? For the first few, just to, like he wasn't going to pour his heart and soul into a painting to shred to do the testing of the shredding, and uh, <laughs> and now you know what's next, of course, which is uh, shredding as a as a technology, self shredding things. I mean, anybody who's ever worked in anything to do with Irish property law, yeah. it's, it's like how to head off tribunals before they happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, self-shredding yeah. paper. It's like the Mission Impossible. This yeah. message was self-destruct in 10 seconds. Exactly. This yeah. contract was self-destruct yeah. as soon as you sign it. Was it was cinematic, really, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Uh, look, Colm, Sheena and Kevin are going nowhere. Stay with us. Back after this quick break. On the record. On News Talk. Attacking someone in the crowd. And I think. What, I mean, that is so stupid and so unnecessary and so foolish. I don't know how stupid it is. That was Joe Rogan uh, speaking about uh, the McGregor fight last night, McGregor and Khabib, which Khabib won, and then there was a huge big melee afterwards. We'll be chatting about it uh, with the team from Off the Ball in a little while. With me in studio still, Colin O'Regan, Sheena Cal, and Kevin Doyle. And we want to turn our attention to budget. As I mentioned, front page of the Sunday Independent, big splash, election budget. Kevin, what's going to be in it? You have all the details. You know more than the rest oh, of us. What do, what do you want to know? You're going to get a fiver back in your tax. That's exciting. Uh, a day? Uh, 
week. A week. Your your pensioners are going to get a fiver uh, in their pensions. Uh, people on the dole are going to get a fiver. People carers. Uh, indivi- fivers in, for everyone. This, yeah, fivers for fiver all. For, fivers for all. But then uh, they're going to take it back off you by hiking up the price of things like petrol and diesel and cigarettes. Um uh, and all those things and then in between we've already talked about the housing stuff and really I think the narrative that's going to come from this from the, the Pascal Donoghue next week um, who's actually hoarse and can't talk at the minute so that's going to make it very interesting if he doesn't uh, hit the honey and lemon before Tuesday mm. um, is is that they're going to basically say this is the end of the recession a little bit like Theresa May's conference speech saying that she will bring the end of austerity well Pascal Donoghue is actually going to announce that we are now back to where we were um, uh, pre economic crash in terms of social welfare payments in real terms. The figures are already higher than they were back in 2007-8 but in real terms in terms of cost of living it's now matched back to that and then he's going to say but we won't repeat the mistakes of the past uh, and say that the boom bust cycle has ended uh, and that this isn't about an election this is about prudence. Um, uh, yeah, into that with prudence. Good Give me a break. They're, they're, they're using a billion euro that they found on the back of a couch because of an accounting exercise to get us to either a balanced budget or a slight surplus. An accounting exercise which just as easily could be done the other way and lose you a billion euro. And it's just moved a billion euro from next year to this year, which means it's not there next year. Uh, well, yeah, I, I'll try and dumb this down because I, this, this idea of finding a billion euro down the back of a couch, while it's hilarious, is actually kind of serious. So it's corporation tax, so the multinationals and there's a lot of speculation that it might be one, two multinationals. There might actually be a tiny number of companies that have paid this extra billion. Um, and the way they've done the accounting is 700 million of this is a windfall. It's going to be a one-off. It's not going to repeat next year. So 300 million next year will be still in there. But the 700 million is just this one time we haven't had get it in 2018. Um and it's all going to be funneled into paying off the big black hole in health, uh, which is 700 million euro overrun. And then some of it's going to go into the rainy day fund, which we were actually going to borrow to set up a mm. rainy day fund, uh, which a lot was lost on a lot of people as well. So there's all these kind of machinations happening in the background um, that makes it not as happy and simple as it's perhaps going to be presented on Tuesday. Uh, but you're right, that billion euro is a one off thing and it's making Pascal Donoghue's life a hell of a lot easier um, ahead of Tuesday uh, which is probably no harm given the rows that he's having with the Independent Alliance and others in the background anyway um, but yeah it's one off and, and it's it's a cur- it's going to be a curious budget because it's actually going to be quite boring uh, but at the same time we do love the budget day drama and, and the kind of everything that comes with it so yeah it, it's going to be a boring budget you're not going to get a lot of money back and that and you do get back it's probably going to be taken off you somewhere else Extensive coverage all day long of the budget here on News Talk <laughs> thanks there Kevin boring budget uh, we'll make it exciting don't worry uh, Colm, they're like it is kind of farce, isn't it? The big budget day thing that we basically plan all your accounts for just twelve months. We've had lots <laughs> and then of start again. Yeah, there's. Um, I, I think what the the thing is that budgets uh, we've been brought up on dramatic budgets, and you know, 1977 when they basically ruined the country uh, for, for the sake of an election, and so there is. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I'm not old enough to know what the coverage of budgets was like before that budget. But it became it became spectacle. Mm. And over the years, it was austerity, and then there was boom, and then Charlie McCreevy would go on go off on one. Or you know, NAMA I think was announced on a budget day. Mm. Uh, um, decentralisation was announced one. on a budget day. And the only reason decentralisation wasn't a complete hames was they got lucky, and some of the s- properties they sold made money in Dublin. Mm. You know that kind mm. of. So like like 
being like doing the accounts for a government needs to be really boring. Like I always go back to this thing of I knew that we were in trouble when I saw a headline, you know, in an ad saying, are you passionate about accounting? You should not be passionate about <laughs> accounting. You, you know, it is it needs to be it needs to be uh, boring and dull. And I think it's Dan O'Brien in the Indo today is talking about the numbers are solid numbers, you know, four or five percent increase in real terms. GDP is is obviously irrelevant these days. Mm-hmm. And so in those in that in that setting, it's never going to be that interesting. The thing about it is all the stuff that's floating around, what people want, you can do so much more if you bring rents down. Like you put so much more money in people's pockets. Yes. By bringing like mortgages, not necessarily, but rents mm-hmm. like that's where like that you could do more. I'm not saying in a budget. But the 250 quid a year that you'd be getting from the budget, you could probably get that in a month in a healthy rental but economy. But we're so fickle, Colm, that yeah. we want our tax break. If Pascal Donoghue didn't announce, and even though it's going to be a tiny tax break, if he didn't announce a tax break on Tuesday, the country would be up in arms. It's like, what? What? After all that we did for this yeah. place during the recession. All those mornings I got up early. Yeah. To go would to they though, would they, when they see how it's swallowed up so I, I quickly, like the scale of their outgoings now? I think people so are fickle. Huge. Every poll that's ever done, if you go and ask people, would you rather see more money spent on public services or would you rather a tax cut? Everybody always says public services. They don't mean it. If you talk to them privately, uh, if you go for a pint, they'll tell you they want a tax break because they don't believe that if it's spent on public services that it'll actually be used properly yeah, anyway. I think yeah. they probably do want it on public services, but they never they never trust the government to actually translate it to public services. Because the Department of Health will just throw it down a black hole. Yeah, exactly. Anything stand out for you, Sheena? Lots of coverage in the papers. Yeah, lots today. of coverage. I mean, I think I just I enjoyed uh, Brendan O'Connor's article. Uh, it's brilliant. In front, yeah. front of the window this morning, uh, where he's, he, 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 it's titled Our List of Budget Demands and his, his first is that we demand an end to the hated UFC. His second is we demand the money be found in the budget to keep Peter Casey in the public eye. And the third <laughs> is we want crispy creams for all. Um, and I feel like, you know, given that in the context, I suppose, of Lisa Hahn's article in the Sunday Times, there's a price to pay for such a quiet budget. Um, you know, that's this idea of, you know, th- this quiet budget really just ramping, ramping us up for what is going to be, uh, you know, a general election quite quickly. And, uh, you know, all eyes will be on that. The Krispy Kremes thing has made me nervous. I was doing stuff here for about like you know, 10 years on from the bank guarantee mm. and I played a clip of an ad where uh, Smeg were selling denim covered fridges back at the height of the boom and I just thought uh, oh God Krispy Kremes the, the, the denim a, covered fridges of the, 2018. A weird thing where I saw, I saw someone had done up a, a, a two pictures side by side and one was people queuing for food parcels and one was people queuing for crusty, uh, crispy cremes or whatever you call them and that's a oh, really mispronouncing it like you weren't there uh, <laughs> at know, four in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, it, that's it, a weird country yeah. that we live in right now. It's I mean, every year there's a monorail mm. episode in yes. Ireland. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, this yeah, is yeah. probably the closest to it. And yet and like if I was to compare it, I'd say, well at least in the Simpsons they got a functioning monorail. There is no there's no benefit from Krispy Kremes apart from their deliciousness. Uh it's 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 so strange how we we're so susceptible to hype and it's not like we're huddling in doorways waiting for crumbs like it's not the people on housing lists that are going out they must have nothing else to worry about Sheena yeah. it's students going out there isn't it I hate to admit that I was there on Friday yeah. obviously ah, obviously only on the basis go. you know for, for, for this show that I, I, I wanted to check it out you know and be able to report back um, you didn't bring us any back. No, though. I'm sorry. Um, it, it's act, it's uh, it's really bizarre as an experience because you're sitting in what is effectively in your car in a car park, uh, kind of going around. For, it was nearly 45, 50 minutes, and once you're in the queue, you can't fucking get out of it. Um, and then 
you know, you're talking to a machine, you get handed a packet of 12. Um, and the reality is, you know, we ask, can, you know, can we get How much six? are they? It was like um, 12 was like seventeen ninety five, And then the whole thing was that it was a deal of 24, uh, 24 but, of them. So are, are they 20. nice or are they cheap? Is that why people queue? Uh, I don't think it's any, it, nothing to do with the cost. I think it's purely, uh, you know, fad. The, it's the fad. People Absolutely. see a queue and they want to get into it. Yeah, and <laughs> it's, um, the, and the whole place, I mean, it was a Friday evening. It was a terrible time to go. Um, you know, you know, teen couples and then grannies with lots of children, uh, you know, trying to quieten people down. And then you've got McDonald's next door, which is taking the overflow. And, you know, it's just this, you're, you know, I went through the whole experience and, you know, even with McDonald's next door as well, it's all, you're talking to a screen, you're just pointing, putting things into a screen. You're not really talking to anyone um, and you're just getting this, you know. Uh, AI you donuts. Know, yeah. And and it's really, I think it was, it was for a once off, it was fine. But I, you know, it, it is it kind of that Surely Monterey Pascal Donoghue, days out from the budget. He's, rowing over, the, <laughs> he's, ba- he's rowing over the VAT rate in the hospitality sector. Beckon VAT rate, a 20% VAT rate on crispy cream and away you go. He's got half a billion in the bag. It's, um, I, I, I look at it going, what's the, like we'd probably exceed our carbon emissions for the year from people <laughs> queuing yeah. in that. It's, it's this, and the question is, do people go twice? It's really funny yeah. because you can see the 24 hour sign has, the light has been turned off on yeah. it. That's literally on the side <laughs> of the building. Did it make a <laughs> sound as it shut down? And it's really sad and pathetic looking. But Colin Starr with uh, The Simpsons, it's like that other episode of The Simpsons where, uh, is it, uh, Mo gets to the back of a queue and he says oh, look at the size of this queue it must be good and it's just yeah. a queue for complaints <laughs> <laughs> uh, look on that note uh, Conor Morrigan Sheena Carr Kevin Doyle thanks a million all of you for coming in stay with us back after this quick break On the Record On, the record. on News Talk 